tonight uh again it's good to see all of you we're going to be starting out a brand new sermon series tonight called amazing grace and this is going to be a sermon series that i really hope will shed new light onto what it means to be in the grace of god and really help us understand what exactly is the grace of god and how does the grace of god work in our lives and so as we we go through this i, I really hope that you'll take notes that you'll just reflect and you'll be open to what the Lord speaks to you. So tonight, again, we're going to be starting out a brand new series called Amazing Grace. You know, we talk a lot about grace, and we talk a lot about grace in the confines of the grace of God. And so I think it's really important for us to understand what exactly we are talking about. You know, as I was writing the sermon, I looked it up in the dictionary, what grace means. And grace was simply defined as an act of kindness, courtesy, favor, or mercy. And as Christians, we believe that the grace uh, and the grace of God is a powerful means by which we experience God and the salvation that he's offering us. And as we specifically look at and examine the grace of God, uh, something that John Wesley teaches us, especially as Methodists in the Methodist Church, is that there's three aspects or characteristics or categories of grace. And those three categories are provenient grace, justifying grace, and sanctifying grace. And those are some big words that you may or may not understand. And that's okay. When I was your age, I had no idea what provenient, justifying, and sanctifying grace meant. Uh, but we're going to dive into each of those types of grace and means of grace over the next couple weeks. And so tonight specifically, we're going to talk about provenient grace. And something that has helped me understand what grace is as a whole and what each aspect of this grace is, is by picturing a house. And that's why I'm sitting out here. Uh, and as tonight... Uh, we talk about provenient grace is going to help you to picture the porch of a house. And, and so that is why I'm sitting out here on the front porch so that you will have throughout this message a visual representation of provenient grace and something to help you understand what we're talking about as we go through the word of God. And so uh, as provenient grace is simply the grace of God that comes to us even before 
we know God. And we experience the provenient grace of God all day, every day. It's in the blessings that he gives us every day. And, and I also think that provenient grace is the most available means of grace, but oftentimes the most often missed. And we're going to get back to that point here in a minute. And so as we look at provenient grace, I want to look at three main characteristics. And the first main characteristic that I want to look at uh, is that provenient grace is available. Provenient grace is available. And to understand this, I want to look at a couple scriptures. Uh, first, I want to start off in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Ephesians, uh, right after uh, the book of Galatians. Uh, and we're going to be in the first chapter, verse 5. So read this out loud with me if you have your Bible. Make a note of this if you don't. That way you can go back and read it later. Here's what it says. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So God decided in advance to make this grace available to us. And we know in John 3.16 that God made this grace available by sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And in John 16.10, a couple chapters later, it says, Jesus says that it is available to us. That the grace of God, the righteousness of God is available. So provenient grace is available. And again, I think that this aspect of God's grace is the most available, but also the most often missed. And what do I mean by this is the blessings that you receive on a daily basis. The simple fact that you can wake up each morning. The simple fact that you breathe each breath. Those are blessings from God. The simple fact that you still have food on your table and that you can eat three meals a day, that you can even eat one meal a day, the fact that you have running water, those are all blessings that are provided to us by the grace of God, and it is only by the grace of God that we breathe each breath that we're able to wake up each morning. But it's all, oftentimes this grace, these blessings, are missed. Now, why are these blessings missed? These blessings are missed because we misidentify God's grace. Or sometimes we fail to recognize the grace of God altogether. You know, when we breathe each breath, we don't go, man, by the grace of God, I was able to breathe that breath. You know, sometimes we pray before we eat, but it's become more increasingly likely that we don't pray before meals. We don't have that habit anymore as a society. But it's important for us to recognize and not misidentify these blessings. Because when we misidentify or we don't recognize these blessings at all, we completely miss the grace of God. We completely miss the blessings that he is giving us. And these blessings of provenient grace are with us all the time. Now notice I said that we as all people experience and can experience the provenient grace of God. I didn't say that we as believers experience the provenient grace of God. And it's really important that we notice that wording there. That we as people, we as a society, we as a world can experience the grace and the provenient grace of God. And that's because God has made it available to all people. God has made his provenient grace available to all people. And that grace is the grace that comes to us before we even believe in God. It's the grace that, as we'll talk about here in a few minutes, that prepares our hearts to receive his salvation. 
you know, just like this porch that I'm sitting on, anyone can step onto this porch. Anyone can come up to this porch. You oftentimes have delivery drivers come onto your porch all the time. When people want to come into your house or get your attention, they oftentimes come to the porch and they ring your doorbell or they knock on the door. It's on the porch that anyone can step foot. And just like the porch of the house, the provenient grace of God is available to all people. Anyone can receive that grace. It's available to all. And I really think that this availability in the provenient grace of God is rooted in the deep desire that God has to show his grace to all people. And I think we continue to see that deep desire in the next characteristic in the next aspect of provenient grace. And that is that provenient grace pursues. Provenient grace pursues. I want you to turn in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. And we're going to be verses 4 through 7. And many of you will recognize the scripture, uh, especially from the song Reckless Love. You, you'll recognize this and it will be familiar to you. Here we go, Luke 15, 4 through 7. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. The Lord in his mercy calls us home. The Lord in his mercy pursues us, trying to find us, trying to rescue us, and pull us into a relationship with him. And one of the most uh, obvious examples of this pursuant provenient grace in my life is really found in my testimony and I've shared this with y'all multiple times of how I was struggling and uh, really uh, had asked God for a sign but then had really gotten mad at God and just decided I didn't want any part with him I was just mad I was furious with God there was a lot of things going on in my life and relationships and my family my mom went on a mission trip to Costa Rica and it was on that trip that she had a chance to speak with a prisoner inside of a Costa Rican prison. And she sat down with that female prisoner, and that prisoner looked at her and said, your 14-year-old son is mad at God. This lady in a different country, a different part of the world, miles, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, knew that I was mad at God. Now, we can sit here and we could try to figure out how she knew that, but the only, the only result, the only reason that she would know that is that God spoke to her. That God cared enough about me to speak through her to my mother. And she continued to tell my mom, your son is mad at God, but God loves him. God loves Nathan. God is there for him. He's never left his side. He has walked with him. And as Nathan has turned his back to God, he has stood right there trying to get him to turn back around. He's been pursuing him every step of the way. And that is how God is with all of us. God pursues us. Out of, by his grace, 
he pursues us because he wants to draw us into relationship with him. And we see this pursuant grace, this calling grace from God all through Scripture in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. We see how God calls Adam. Adam is hiding in his shame and in his sin as him and Eve have both uh, eaten from the, the forbidden tree and they've become aware of their nakedness. And Adam is hiding in the bushes and God calls him. God initiates that relationship with him. God doesn't sit around waiting for Adam to come to him. God seeks Adam. God pursues Adam and calls him. Also in the book of Genesis chapter 12 verse 4, God calls Abraham out of his father's house. God doesn't wait for Abraham to come to him to make him the father of many nations and to bestow his blessings on Abraham. No, God seeks out Abraham. God initiates that relationship with Abraham. In the book of Exodus chapter 3 verse 4, God calls Moses. God doesn't wait for Moses to feel qualified to free the people, the Israelites from Egypt. No, God seeks out Moses. God initiates that relationship with Moses. And one of the most famous uh, stories in, in the Bible, through the burning bush. So God is a God who initiates relationships. And by his grace, he pursues us. He doesn't wait for us to come to him. He takes the initiative and he comes to us. And man, what a powerful act of grace from God that he's willing to initiate that relationship with us. You know, likewise in the New Testament, in 1 John 14, or 4.10, excuse me, 1 John 4.10 and 1 John 4.19, we know that we are able to love only because God first loved us. God doesn't love us because we loved him first. No, no. Scripture tells us that we are only able to love because God took the initiative to love us first. Now, what a powerful act of grace that God would choose to love us even when we choose not to love him. By his grace, God initiates a relationship with us. Now we look at this house and we look at this porch and the porch is often where a relationship between two people is initiated. And I know now uh, as society progresses and we get comfortable with people, we go through the garage or go through different parts of the house. But it used to be that if you wanted to talk to someone, you met on the porch. You met right here on the porch to have those conversations. You know, I can remember as uh, a young boy in, in Cub Scouts, I'd go around selling popcorn. Uh, and it was on the porch. I had to go up and ring that doorbell. And it was on that porch that I initiated that contact. I initiated that relationship with various different people, people who I'd never met before, to ask them, hey, do you want to buy some popcorn? And as simple as that is, that is a relationship being initiated. And so this porch also serves to show us that in his grace, in his provenient grace, God initiates a relationship with us. You know, there's one more aspect of provenient grace that I want us to look at. And that's that provenient grace prepares. Provenient grace prepares. You know, the, the, really the truth is, is that long before anyone can share the gospel with anyone else in this world, God is there working in their hearts to receive his word. Long before I ever dreamed of giving this message to you, long before I even sat down in this chair to speak through 
your phone to you. God was preparing your heart to receive. God was extending an invitation to you to receive his word tonight. And so at any point, God is preparing our hearts to receive his word. I want you to turn to a book that we don't really turn to much, and that's the book of Titus. It's towards the back of your Bible, uh, right after the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, we're going to be in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Titus 2, 11 through 14. Here's what it says. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. I want to point your attention back there to verse 11. That is, by the grace of God that salvation is brought to all people. Also, in the book of Romans, I want to point your attention to chapter 1, verse 20, where it says that the glory of God, the presence of God, the existence of God can be seen through all creation. I just want to challenge you. Look around you outside. You are in one of the best places to see the existence of God in Destin, Florida. To go stand on the beach and just look out at the horizon. Man, how can you deny the existence of God when you look at creation? When you look at life? No, it is by the grace of God that these things have been revealed. And God is working in our favor. I was reading something in a, as I was preparing for this lesson. And someone likened prevenient grace as God stacking the deck in our favor. And if you know what it means to stack the deck, it means to put the cards in your favor. God is trying to order all things in your favor so that you will receive him and receive a relationship with him. And God is working to save us. God is working to prepare us to receive salvation. And he is trying to do everything that he can to bring us into a relationship with him. God did everything he could to reach me. God went through a different country, through a person who didn't speak English, to bring me into a relationship with him. And God wants to do the same thing for you. Some of you may be doubting that God wants a relationship with you, that God loves you. I'm here to tell you, all you have to do is receive the invitation that God has already given you. God is extending that invitation to be in a relationship with him. And he will go to great measures to make sure you accept that. But ultimately that choice is yours. But why would he do this? Why would he give us his grace, even when we don't believe? In fact, prevenient grace is that grace that we can experience without believing in him. Why would he choose to give non-believers grace and blessings? Well, I really think it's a simple answer. Because he doesn't want anyone to be condemned to hell. Every single person on this earth is a child of God. Someone who is uniquely and purposely created by God. And God doesn't want to see that person condemned. God wants to see that person blessed and in turn, turn to him and turn to a relationship with him. I think the other answer to that question of why would God show us grace, even when we don't deserve it, is because he's full of grace. 
That's who he is. He is a God of grace. Now, I think this point that of God being full of grace and going to great measures to show us that grace and draw us into a relationship with him has a challenging aspect that goes along with it. Because of this, if anyone does die without a relationship with, it, with Christ and is condemned to hell, it is not God's fault. It is that individual's fault. It is their fault for not receiving and choosing to accept that invitation. God has given you the invitation. God has extended you that invitation. Now you have a choice to either choose to accept that invitation and choose to accept and recognize the grace of God, or you have the other choice to, to choose to reject that invitation and say, I don't want any part of that. And the choice is yours. But God is going to continue to bless you He's going to continue to pour out his blessings upon your life because he wants you to choose to accept that invitation of a relationship with him. You know, it's on the porch oftentimes that people are invited in. It's often on the porch when you show up at someone's house that you are invited into their home. And as we'll see and continue exploring in the next couple weeks, you have to make that choice to walk into the house. And we're going to look at that some more next week of making that decision through justifying grace. Of what does it mean to choose to accept that grace? And how does God make us right with Him? My prayer for you is that you will recognize the grace of God. My prayer for you is that you will recognize the grace and the blessings of God that He is pouring out to you in your daily lives. And many of you, uh, I hope, have not become sick with this illness that's going around. And it's by the grace of God that we are not sick. It's by the grace of God that we can sit here and continue to have discussions like this through technology. And so recognize these blessings. Recognize God's goodness and God's grace in your life. But most importantly, see that God loves you. See that it is because of his love that he shows you grace and pours out his blessings in your life. You know, my prayer for you also is that you'll see how desperately he wants to be in a relationship with you. And my prayer for you is that you will in turn turn to him and choose a relationship with him. Here in just a few minutes, we're going to transition over to Zoom for small groups. And I'll give you more instructions uh, on that in just a minute. But before you do anything, before you join Zoom, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll transition. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, this evening that we can come together through technology, Lord, to begin understanding what your grace is to understand what it means to have your blessings and your grace upon our life each and every day but i pray for all of us that we would be open that we would open our eyes lord to recognize your blessings or that we would recognize your grace each and every day or that we wouldn't miss it that we wouldn't misinterpret it but lord that we would understand that you are working in our lives even when we choose to work against you. And so, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy each and every day. We thank you that by your grace, you choose to love us even when we choose not to love you. So, Lord, I pray for all these students right now. Lord, I pray that your grace would be upon them, or that you would keep them safe from all illness. Lord, I pray for them right now as I'm sure they're growing antsy at home. And Lord, ready to get out of the house. Lord, I pray that your grace would just be upon them. Lord, for any student who doesn't know you, 
who doesn't have a relationship with you, for any student who thinks that you've turned their your back to them, for any student, Lord, I pray that if any student thinks that you don't want a relationship with them, Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes, Lord, that you would turn them around, Lord, to see your face, or to see how desperately you want a relationship with them, or to see how you are initiating that relationship with them and extending that invitation to be in a relationship. So, Lord, I pray for all these students, Lord, that they would recognize the love that you have for them and fully accept our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our time together in small groups. I pray that we'd be focused and free of distractions. Lord, I pray that you'd bless our conversations and help us more fully understand the grace that you have given us. Lord, we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. Hey everyone, this is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you and thank you for listening.